Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Neighbors, this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. He'll be talking mostly about the Apple's Samsung trial. You'll also hear from Mike Prospero from Laptop Magazine. He'll talk about that, about the latest tech year. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And the main topic of discussion is Apple versus Samsung. As those of you who read the news or have not been living on a deserted island somewhere know, Apple was victorious, but this is the first of many skirmishes and maybe in terms of the various legal actions somewhere in the middle of the game, and therefore we don't know the final score, though Apple did very well. Now, Daniel, you were at the San Jose, California courtroom for closing arguments. Can you give us a sense of how things felt to you? Well, it's interesting to see firsthand how our legal system works. It's kind of like watching politics or anything else where you're you're like, how does this even work? (laughs) But yeah, parts of it are very boring and they just go on and on. And you think, how can there be just, how can this possibly work? And, you know, things work out and it's hard to actually imagine how you could have a better system. Particularly the last day of closing arguments, the judge read off I think 100, something like 80 pages of jury instructions. It was, you know, very not interesting to listen to. Went on for about an hour and a half of just this monotonous reading. (laughs) Then things got more interesting in the afternoon when you actually heard Apple and Samsung's attorneys recapping their whole thing. And they kind of took the whole trial, which has kind of gone on for a month, and took all these, particularly that's what Apple did, is, you know, they brought all these different witnesses to make this point and that point and whatever point. And then at the end, they can put everything in chronological order and say, okay, here's the picture we painted. Here's the facts that we stated. Here's where the iPhone started. Here's where Samsung was doing. And this is where things rapidly changed in this period of 2010 when they said they had a crisis of design and went into this intense three-month copying effort. And then all of a sudden, their fortunes turned around. And, you know, not a coincidence. What's interesting to me is when you look at the pictures of Samsung smartphones before the iPhone came out, you take a look at them and they look like Blackberries. And then the iPhone comes out, and you look at the picture the following year, and they look like iPhones. So I don't know about cause and effect, but that, I think, helps sway the jury based on what they said. That's certainly the case. Now, Samsung has its own pictures, and and people who support Samsung like to put out this picture that Samsung attorneys made of showing that they had a bunch of phones that looked, you know, kind of like some of their Galaxy phones before the iPhone came out. But they weren't phones that they were selling. They list them as mock-ups or designs, or like internal things that somebody drew. They only show them from this very careful angle. So you don't see what they actually look like. You just see that they have a screen on the front. And so they're trying to make the case that that's the natural design for a screen. You have, you have to have a big enough screen to be able to touch and manipulate and whatever. And so the, they're saying that the design was obvious. But the problem with that is that if it was obvious, then why weren't they doing it? Why weren't they using any of these designs? And if all this technology and all this prior art was there, why was nobody doing this until the iPhone came out? And then additionally, when the iPhone did come out, why was everyone saying, oh, that's not going to work? I mean, that's what people were saying in 2007. Everyone was looking at the iPhone and saying, oh, that's actually rim. They thought it was kind of a, a phony mock-up. They thought Apple was faking it. 
And Isn't that the feeling but, we have about the Microsoft Surface? Of course, with Microsoft, they could be faking it. Well, that's kind of different because the Surface isn't really new. It's, it's showing off their... It's like very much like the Zune where they're saying, look, we're doing the iPod, but we're changing a couple things. We're making it a little bit different. There's nothing groundbreaking about it. It's, it's an iPad with a, you know, a, a smart cover that has a keyboard on it. it it's not a new with product. a very drab gray kind of case. And what's interesting is what they were really focusing on is the reaction. So when the iPhone came out, there was this initial, I don't believe that's possible, followed by, oh, you need a keyboard. Why don't you have a keyboard? And that went on for a year or more. And then you start to have people realizing that it's something big. And then you start to have people copying it. And if you look at Microsoft, you look at the Zoom, you look at the Surface, both Surfaces, you never had this period of where people were like, oh, that's not possible. They knew it was possible because it wasn't extraordinary. There was never this period where people said, oh, that needs this or that needs that. It was like, yeah, that's pretty conventional. So basically, it was obvious before Apple released the product. What Apple, Apple's argument is that its products were revolutionary, that it changed something, that brought something new. And then people well, start the copying being it. Here and that's what the facts that If it's so obvious to have produced smartphones that way, why did they wait till Apple did it first? Yeah, that's, that's the point that they're making, is that if it, if it was obvious now, why wasn't it obvious then? Because that's what you have to look at. You, you can't look at obviousness from the, from the perspective of hindsight because everything is obvious in hindsight. You look back and you think, why didn't, why didn't they discover the engine you know, before 100 years ago? The, the car. You know, why didn't they have cars in the 1800s? That was dumb. Well, the thing was they just didn't have the technology. They didn't have a lot of things to support it. And a lot of people had to invest a lot of time and effort in figuring out how to solve some of these big problems. That If that work isn't done, then nothing happens. And that's why nothing was happening in the mobile phone industry. There were five years of the 2000s where very little happened. There were PC kind of advancements where you get a little faster processor, a little faster this, a little bit more memory, a little bit something else. But there was nothing cool about phones. People didn't like their phones. I remember I had some of these phones. I, I supported Windows Mobile phones, the kind of things that Samsung was trying to make. I owned Palm Trio phones, and I had a Sony phone before that. They were, they were just kind of maddening. They were kind of annoying. There was like this great potential. Wouldn't it be great if you could access information from your pocket, but they didn't deliver that. And so when Apple came along and delivered exactly what people wanted, because they put the effort into making it, they didn't just make a basic product. They worked really hard to make it something that people would love. And one of the insights you got if you followed the trial is that Apple's design executives appeared at the trial under questioning and explained a lot of things about the design process. Things that probably you'd know if you read the authorized biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, but for the most part, this was all new information. Yeah, there was a lot of new color about how things were happening and, and what things were happening. I think in general, I'd always heard that the iPhone project kind of started around 2005 when they were talking. I think it was 2003. So this was like, you know, if, if you think chronologically back in time, what was happening at that period of time, this was right after the iPod came out. So it, it's kind of interesting to see this historical perspective and the reason they were stressing that was because apple worked on the the phone for a very long time it's part of the tablet project right yeah i mean they, they developed this concept of a tablet and they said whoa we have the technology it would make sense to sell this as a phone sounds almost so. like we have in the six million dollar man <laughs> we have the technology faster that. smarter <laughs> and we got the talent and the tools from ghostbusters I don't even know what that reference means. <laughs> Ernie Hudson made the statement as one of the Ghostbusters in the final quarter of the movie. I won't get into that. 
if you didn't see the original Ghostbusters. Anyway, okay. I did, but I was a small child. Okay, well, I think most of our listeners were small children then, but I was never a small child, so I don't understand the concept. Okay, so we get back to the trial here, where basically Samsung tried to assert that Apple was violating their patents, and they lost. Apple won most of what they wanted. They were awarded a billion dollars, but that's not the end of it. Really, there's a lot more to come because now there are appeals. The judge on the 20th of September can decide to triple the damages, can decide that some of the verdicts need to be set aside, although maybe that won't happen. It's likely some things will happen. It's kind of interesting because when you listen to I, I was kind of blown away that just everybody's reports from the beginning were kind of negative sounding, like as if there was some question of that Apple would win. I mean, it was, it was really, I mean, in my perspective, it was really kind of a Simpson murder case. You know? It was just kind of like a smoking gun and, you know, quite obvious. And the only reason you set it aside is because you like the guy. Um, that's the kind of question it was. It wasn't, is Apple going to win? It was, is this jury going to say that Apple won or not? So I, I really had no idea what they were going to pick because it was just it just seemed very random. And as it was, it was like it, it was kind of interesting that the jury was a lot of people from from um, obviously that's where they're from. The, the a Silicon lot of them were engineers. They had technical knowledge. They understood what was going on, which is a jury of your peers, as it were. We yeah. have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, neighbors, during the summer, it seems like almost everyone is on a different schedule. They have vacations, they have shorter days, and they work remotely. So meeting all your clients and colleagues in person can just be impossible. That's why I recommend go to meeting with HD Faces. It lets you meet face-to-face no matter where you are this summer. Here's how it works. With GoToMeeting by Citrix, it just takes a webcam and a click to collaborate in a group HD video. You can even get an iPad app for it. How about that? Plus, GoToMeeting is so easy to use. You know, our listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. So don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code PODCAST. Use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com to get a free trial for just 30 days, neighbors. And don't forget that special iPad app. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. 
American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed-saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American-owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. The summer specials are on at HHA, Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big at HerbalHealer.com. And new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, liquid CalMag vitamin D and organic iodine, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Super 2, Natural Laxative, our Exceptional product Tonixin, Memory Power, and Super Male and Femplex, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. Also get 10% off on the Herbal Healer Academy Survival Course. Information that might save your life. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger a roughly drafted magazine and appleinsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we are focusing here on the just concluded, or at least the jury trial, there's a lot more to go, the trial involving Apple and Samsung, where Apple was victorious. And I read the statements that Samsung made at the end. Well, it hurts competition. Well, it's all about rectangles and curved sides or something like that. It sounds to me that the lawyers had no clue why they lost. It did. I mean, there's a lot of highly paid lawyers on their side, but I did not get the sense that Samsung really had a sensible case. I mean, the kind of things that they were arguing, they were saying a lot of things that just seemed kind of juvenile. They seemed to really be talking. It was like they were trying to try the court in the case of public opinion, and they were trying to do it amongst bloggers, you know, like, you know, and fan sites. And it's like, those people don't matter. What are you talking about? If those people mattered, Android would be making lots of money. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, those people, their opinion doesn't matter. They, they don't represent people who buy things, which I thought was really odd. I mean, why wouldn't you appeal to, you know, the, the middle class that's buying things as opposed to these, you know, fringe, I like to call them social. <laughs> I've, I've begun calling them the... the social warfare or the socialist software people 
because they're just kind of espousing this idea that nothing matters and you can just take things and they're kind of like this intellectual approach to intellectual property where you just take everyone's property and you distribute it as you see fit. (laughs) There's no such thing as intellectual property. It's all supposed to be open source. Yeah, and then the the weird thing is it's like Android is not even true to that. I mean, the, the value of Android is not open source. It may be free, but a licensee still has to sign an agreement with Google. Well, there's there's elements of Android that are free because they're basically just the ripped off copy of Sun stuff. But Google stuff, I mean, the, the the parts that add value that people want to use are, you know, as closed as the iOS. You can't just, yeah. I mean, there's nothing free about or open source about Android. It's just this kind of concept of everybody should be able to rip off somebody else's ideas and. Anyway, that's not that's not the most useful thing for me to rant about. <laughs> okay, so the but other argument that's made here is that this is mirroring the argument from Samsung that somehow competition is hurt because Samsung and other companies can't produce knockoffs of the iPhone. Yeah, I mean, when you lose a case and you don't really have a case, you just have to argue kind of things that don't make sense. But um, wh- what they're saying is that there's there's no way for Samsung to compete effectively unless they copy Apple. And they're saying that that's innovation. Well, first of all, it's not innovation when you take other people's stuff, just verbatim. And there are, there are a lot of Android device makers, including Motorola, uh, HTC. Um, LG, to an extent, LG is kind of the same as Samsung in that they're just kind of to take other people's designs. But there are Android licensees who have developed something interesting or, and, and at least novel. Android itself has some infringement problems that Apple's going to attack, attack next, I believe. Do you think this is the opening salvo, that Apple has been working with these other companies, suing them around the country, around the world, and now they're going to go after Google directly in light of this win? I don't think they're going to go after Google directly, but if you look at how people have been describing, there's been a couple kind of prominent bloggers or writers or whatever talking about Apple suing everybody, and you know it's just it's going on in like a dozen countries, and there's like all these little cases, and they're like trying to get injunctions, and it looks really kind of haphazard and slapdash, and you know Apple's obviously spending a lot of money doing this, and what are they getting out of it? And it's not really clear what what value that they're getting by having all these injunctions, because it hasn't nothing's happened yet, and so they look at that and they're saying, oh yeah, Apple's wasting a lot of money, and they're like fighting uphill, and they're you know they're accomplishing things that are of no value, and they're not stopping anything. And what they don't realize is it takes a long time to do a a case like this. I mean, this is really, there's just no way to come in and just stop things. You can't do that. And it wouldn't be good if they could. So, I mean, Apple really has to make a strong case, really has to justify the idea of why should we ban people's products. A preliminary injunction is we're banning your products while we're looking at whether they are infringing. So while Apple's doing its case and setting up this this groundwork that's taken you know years you have companies like samsung and particularly samsung and motorola who are saying okay you're suing us we're going to sue you and we're going to sue you over these standard essential patents that we have that we have a legal obligation to to license to you under fran terms just like h264 anything else any other technology that you have to you have to pay for but you don't have to pay very much for okay fran is basically fair pricing for industry it's, standard patents. That's the basic concept. Yeah, it's I a term of fair, here, reasonable, anti-discriminatory. It means, means that you have to give everybody the, a crack at licensing them at a fair rate. You can't say, you're our competitor, so we're going to put you up a barrel and charge you so much that you can't even compete with us. 
in theory, then, everybody pays the same rate per unit or whatever. Now, there's a story here, and I'll read you the quote. It's from Apple Insider. Apple and Motorola have inked an agreement in Germany that gives Apple the right to use some, if not all, of Motorola's standard essential patents in that country. Now, does this mean that Google is going to push Motorola to settle with Apple wherever they can? Uh, I haven't seen the details for that yet, but... There's a couple things going on. Remember, Motorola isn't the first company to do this. I mean, Nokia was saying this, too, because a lot of Nokia's patents relate to 3G and, you know, they help develop this stuff. But anytime you, you pull your patents together and offer them under Fran terms, you can't then weaponize them and try to screw over a competitor. And Apple's been on both sides of this fence. So you, right now you have, particularly Motorola and Samsung, are... They're trying to force Apple to give it the access to iPhone patents, basically, by saying, okay, we own these patents that relate to the baseband chip. You're using chips from Intel or whoever, and, you know, we've licensed the technology to them, but you're using them in your phone, so we're going to, we want two half percent of the cost of the iPhone. I noticed one point from the jury verdict, not to interrupt you, and that is it appeared there was an assumption on the part of the jury that on standards patents, Apple has already paid that by buying the components that incorporate the technology with the assumption that the manufacturers to build those components is paying for the right to use those inventions. Therefore, Apple has paid it already. It's like double taxation. Yeah, that's, that's known as patent exhaustion. Once you license your patent to somebody, you can't sue the... If you license the ability to make a chip, then if somebody uses that chip in their product, you can go after them and sue them. And what they were arguing is really convoluted and weird. They were saying that this deal for Apple using Intel's chips was not an American deal, so it, it can't be exhausted under the patent license because Samsung licensed Intel the right to use these chips in the American market. And Apple was saying, okay, so we went to Intel. They're right down the road. We have an invoice. We're buying chips from Intel, and we're putting them in our phones, and we're selling them as Apple. This is a very much an American deal. And Samsung's argument was that, no, Intel designed the chips in Germany, and they were shipped to China, where they're put inside iPhones in China, and, the, and they're shipped. So they're not, it's not an American deal, so it's not covered under our license. So it's really, they're really grasping at straws. And That's called reaching, ladies and gentlemen, reaching yeah. as far as you can, and you're just basically trying to find the P's and Q's of some kind of exception. We have Daniel Aaron Dilgore of Roughly Drafted Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Alex Jones here with a great way to beat the blackouts, get off the grid, and generate your own supply of electrical power. Folks, with what's been going on in this country, I don't have to tell you about the power grid and just how vulnerable it is. That's in the mainstream news every day. Millions of people have lost their power in the last few weeks because of dangerous storms and killer heat that's pushing the grid beyond its capacity. I've always said that every family needs to be ready for blackouts. And if you don't have a backup system in place, I've got a great opportunity for you. Right now, our good friends at Solutions from Science are offering huge savings on their best-selling Power Hub unit. In fact, I think it's the best deal I've ever seen them make. It's literally thousands of dollars in savings. Remember, these backup systems don't need gas because they're solar-powered. That means there's no dangerous fumes and no noise. InfoWars listeners can get all the details at BeatTheBlackouts.com. That's BeatTheBlackouts.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Daniel Arendelger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're looking at the way that Samsung is parsing 
this jury verdict and in going after Apple trying to exact more money or just to make a counterclaim, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger covering it with us. Now, when you're sued like this, you'll normally, I expect, assert a counterclaim because you want to muddy the waters. Even if the counterclaim is invalid, you want to sow the seeds of confusion. This way, if you confuse and befuddle the jury, maybe they'll come up with a verdict that more favors your point of view. Well, yeah, I mean, that's very much what Samsung was trying to do. Every time Apple would assert something, they would say, oh, yes, me too. And so when the, the question came up of, you know, why was Samsung deleting all these emails automatically and they were not, not taking seriously the, the court orders, you know, the, they have a legal obligation to preserve evidence, they were saying, well, well, Apple probably did it too. And there was no proof to it. There was no indication that Apple had. In fact, Apple was already in all these other cases. They had documented processes in place, and they were just charging, well, if if you're accusing us of destroying evidence, then we're going to accuse you of destroying evidence, and we're going to both tell the jury that you know each other destroyed each other's evidence. Well, that's not it, really It sounds that's like what kids will say in the, in the <clears throat> schoolyard, no, he did it first. Yeah. It, very much a denial, and then a well. If if it if in case you found us guilty, then we think you shouldn't pay. We shouldn't have to pay much damages. But yeah, just kind of covering all their bases. Why should we be penalized? And, they hit me first, or they hit me at all. And we didn't copy, but if we did copy, they copied us too. Kind of thing, same thing. So it, it, just listening to, I mean, I was, it's, it's hard not to be biased. It's not. It's not hard to. It's hard not to just walk in and think. You know, this is probably what's going to happen. So I was trying to keep an open mind, and it was really difficult to do that because listening to the way Samsung argued things just seemed really disingenuous. It just seemed very lawyery. Where you know Apple's attorneys are also attorneys, <laughs> you know, and attorneys in general. You know, that's what they're skilled at. Is they're skilled at arguing a point. Well, it doesn't have to be you know honest or true or whatever. It's just they have to be really skilled at arguing some some idea. And they were able to present things. I mean, Apple's case is pretty open. It's not, they don't have a lot to hide. And so it's just really hard to, to listen to any of the case and not just be blown away by how, what Samsung did. Even if you, I mean, if you look at the Tim Cook letter that he sent to, to Apple employees, he mentioned the idea that, you know, Samsung was copying us more than we thought. I mean, it was like more egregious than we even, even realized because they were getting some of these documents and realizing that, you know, it wasn't just the phone division that was trying to copy the iPhone. It was the confidential group that Apple, you know, Apple is a huge component customer of Samsung and they're supposed to be running it separately. And there's supposed to be this firewall between the part of Samsung that develops chips for other companies and the part of Samsung that competes against those, those companies. And Samsung really pulled the Microsoft by, you know, we're your partner and now we're your enemy. And we're not going to tell you we're, we're your enemy until we're just ready to launch a product identical to yours. And the extent to which they did that, it wasn't just, you know, it, in, in the first blush, it kind of looked like, oh, they're just, they're just, you know, relying a lot on Apple's designs because they're popular and they're famous. But when you start looking at the evidence and start looking at some of these documents, you're like, wow, they, they looked at the iPhone and said, we're going to copy this. We're going to, this is going to be easy to do in hardware, and then we can just figure out the software part. And that's very clearly what they did. I mean, you can just see it. It just, all the facts line up right behind that. And they kept documenting it. They kept saying, you know, we are at a crisis of design. We don't know what to do. Their products are heaven and our products are earth. And we need to go through and make our products like them. And here's step one and here's step two for a hundred pages. You know, we need to copy this. 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 And then the result is they created a phone that looked 
you know, when you put the Galaxy S next to the iPhone 3GS, it was just kind of shocking. It was like, wow, really? It was just the most crazy ripped off thing you could manage with a, a straight face. And they just kept doing that. I mean, that went on for, it's, it started like 2010. So it isn't that they just started. And what's interesting is now people after the fact, after, after the trial was released, or after the verdict was released, they said, oh, well, Samsung has all these avenues of appeal. What they don't get is that Apple also has avenues of appeal. And Apple has avenues of um, adding to I mean, they already have cases in, in, in process. They were saying, oh, it didn't involve, you know, the phones that Samsung is selling right now. Well, the, the big phone they're selling right now is the Galaxy S3. Apple filed an injunction before the case, before the trial, and they didn't have time to include it because things take so long. But now that they have this this boom stamped win, it's going to be very easy to extend that. And the patents that they're asserting against the Galaxy Three are not that it looks exactly like the previous ones, and it's not the design patents; it's technology patents that go to the heart of Android. They're going to be very difficult to address. And so when people are saying, "Oh, yeah, it's just all going to get overturned." There's a lot more danger for Samsung in having things expanded than there is any hope for them to get much of this overturned. Because Apple doesn't need a billion dollars. It's very likely that the amount that, App, that Samsung is, is, has to pay may come down. Because every huge jury trial like that has always been down. Remember, um, who was it, Lucent? Or, or I think it was Lucent that uh, sued Microsoft for some number of billion dollars. And there's a couple of different pharmaceutical companies that, that won, uh, like Monsanto won something against DuPont for like a billion dollars. And I think almost all of them were drastically reduced after the fact. It just kind of made a headline for a while. So you expect Ap- Judge Coe is going to reduce the verdict. I want to ask you something about it's Judge possible. Coe in a moment, but it's possible she could reduce the amount or triple the amount because the infringement was deemed willful. It is possible that she could race it, but I'm saying that the the best thing for Samsung. I mean, like if you if you look at the most likely possible upside for Samsung, is that that might get reduced a little bit, but that's not what's at issue. Apple doesn't care about a billion dollars. Apple makes ten billion dollars a quarter. They're making so much money they had to just give some away to shareholders as a dividend. You know, they're giving away two and a half billion dollars a quarter just to like keep investors from freaking out. That why are you sitting on so much money? And you're now sitting on $115 billion. Apple didn't need a billion dollars from Samsung. What Apple needs is to stop Samsung and just you know, send a warning to everybody else being like, if you copy us, we're going to go after you and we're going to win tremendous. So you, know, you better just deal with us. You better sit down and negotiate what, a deal with us as opposed to like taking us to court and you know, dicking us around for years. And then we're going to come after you and hit you really hard and knock you sideways. Now, um, interesting to note here. The same companies who build Android gear are paying Microsoft, I guess on a per-unit basis, for alleged use of Microsoft patents. So Microsoft is already making money from Android. What, $15 a phone? I've heard numbers from 5 to $15 per phone. I don't know the exact amount, but it's, it's, it's probably closer to the you know, 5 to 10, if that. Um, it's, it's as much as they were making from Windows Mobile. You know, there was never much opportunity to earn much money from selling software to phone makers, particularly when you have Android coming along and saying, oh, this is free. It's like, why is anyone going to pay for Windows Mobile? Well, if you have to pay for the patents, then they're now on a, on a level playing field again 
where you can pay, you know, five, ten dollars for Windows Mobile or you can pay five, ten dollars for licensing plus free Android. So, and now it, it appears that Apple's going to be in a position to license some of those things as well. So they've started licensing some of their technical patents. So, I mean, it could be a situation where Apple is now putting its own licensing package on all the Android licensees. So Basically, they only- do what Microsoft does, and suddenly the licensing costs will double. And then you also have to think if there's going to be more of an incentive to settle because, as I mentioned earlier in the show, they have that apparent agreement with Motorola Mobility and Apple in Germany. Doesn't that show a trend, possibly? Yeah, and in, there's been a number of other companies that Apple has amicably, you know, worked out disagreements with, including Nokia. You know, there was a time, you know, it was what I think I think it was around 2010 when Nokia was saying, "Oh, you, Apple's taking our patents, and that isn't right." And they were talking about the same standard essential patents that Samsung and Motorola are when they talk about that, and they negotiated a deal. Will you go into more of this in a moment with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com? I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com America, land of the free. But how free can you be, really, when Internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Here it is, another election year. And here you are again wishing you knew more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, and the Declaration of Independence. But who has the time to study? 
Wouldn't it be nice if you could simply listen to them? And wouldn't it be great if they came packaged with an index? Yep, an index that lets you go to any part of the founding documents just by punching in a track number on your computer or CD player. What exactly is the Ninth Amendment? Track 10, play. It's that simple. The Founding Documents Collection on Audio CD. To get yours now, just go to Amazon.com and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. For just $19.95 and $3.99 shipping and handling, you'll have the firepower you need to argue from the ultimate facts that form our nation's foundation. Want to be a hero? Get one for you and give another to your local school for Constitution Day. Go to Amazon.com now and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We're covering the lawsuit, Apple's victory in a San Jose court against Samsung getting an award of over a billion dollars, which doesn't mean that Samsung has got the check in the mail. They say they're going to appeal, but you have to wonder if the leadership of Samsung is going to start to realize they can't keep doing this because it's going to cost them a lot of money and prestige. And doesn't it look bad for a company that loses in court in such a high-profile trial? People will say, why should I buy Samsung if they're stealing intellectual property from somebody else? I don't know how much they face with that. In fact, there's like a lot of talk saying Samsung basically, you know, broke the law and didn't do things the right way. But they're now in a position. I mean, the, the you know the crime paid. They, they're in this position where they're the second biggest phone maker by riding on Apple's coattails, and you know they they earned eight billion dollars in revenue on these accused models. They were found guilty of infringement, and they only have to pay a billion to apple so i mean there's a lot of people trying to make the case that oh you know samsung is in a better, better position than companies that didn't copy apple as egregiously or at least didn't get caught in the trial um but and, and i don't know how much people when they're shopping are thinking oh well you know i don't want to buy products of an accused patent infringer i i, I don't know how much that is but it is a, a tremendous legal precedent so i mean apple doesn't have a total of six patents that it's going after Android with. Apple has a lot of patents. Just this week, 
there was a publication, I noticed also at Apple Insider, where they mentioned this, where Apple had more usability patents granted. So this is all about iOS, and it looks like there are patents and continuations for email client and for touch screen and for other features. So Apple is doing this ongoing patent filing, and it appears they're getting more and more patents to defend. That has to strike fear in the hearts of all these other companies. Well, I mean, they are patenting things, and I think they're learning how to patent things better. And, you know, what works and what doesn't and what they have to have to uh, state and what they, um, you know, what they have to define. And it's kind of interesting, you know, the the patents that Apple is asserting, like in this case specifically, have been boiled down to, oh, rectangles and rounded corners. Well, that's not really what they patented at all. There's specific features and then there's this overall design that looks like an iPhone or looks like an iPad. And the one that they lost was the basically the iPad design patent. I think it's D eight eight six or I think that's something close to that. Um the the jury ruled that there was no infringement because of prior art, I think was the main thing that they had cited. And talking about various kind of tablet devices that had existed before. Whether they were kind of mock ups or whether I think there was an H feed tablet that um had some of the same aspects. And Samsung was actually making a, a, a good case in one of the facts, or one of the line of reasons that they were giving, especially in the closing arguments, that Apple is saying, you know, here's our patents, and the prior claims are different here and different here and different here. And yet the accused products are, are also, they have like these minor differences. So where's the threshold of how different can you be before it matters? Because if you have prior art that, cop, you know, it's, it's some of this and some of that, but not this, and you dismiss that prior art, then how do you use that patent against a, a, a product you call infringing that is similar this way, similar this way, but not in this way, not in this way? And the Samsung, the Galaxy Tab 10.1, was different enough in a couple little respects that they said, you know, this is kind of, this is as different from Apple's patent as the prior art is from Apple's patent. And so it's kind of a wash. Now, that that was a sensible decision by the jury. I mean, it made sense. It was, you know, it was a legal question. But the other question, of course, is that Apple is obviously going to go for more than they expect to get. You assert the sun and the moon and the stars, and if you just get the sun and the moon, that's okay. Well, yeah, I mean, they were pretty confident with this iPad patent. And I think, I mean, I'm I'm confident, I I think it's already happened, that Apple has already asserted that the the jury's finding of non-infringement on this patent for the Galaxy Tab, they're saying, well, it doesn't, it, it actually doesn't matter. Because it's the, the Galaxy Tab is not only infringing upon the design patent, but it's also infringing upon these utility patents. And in fact, they've they've already filed a motion saying, so the infringement case it only listed the Galaxy Tab 10.1, like the Wi-Fi version. So they, they just filed a motion afterwards saying it wasn't like they said, okay, we can see that that isn't infringing. They said, oh, we'd also like to add the cellular version of this product to the injunction that's already standing. So they're so saying, we want you to expand the injunction. Samsung. And Samsung was, I mean, they were trying to get some tread out of that one little bit of upside in the, in the jury's decision saying, okay, so they've, they've decided there was no infringement. So please lift the injunction immediately. So we can start selling this product, even though it's not really something that they sell much of. And, you know, on, on the flip side, Apple's saying, yeah, we'd actually like to expand this <laughs> to cover their other stuff. 
And of, of the patents that they have, I mean, that's, I mean, of the products Samsung is selling that Apple can stop, that, that's not really significant. They haven't sold a million devices across its lifetime. It'd be like trying to sue to stop sales of the Zune. I mean, it's like, why would you bother? It's, it's never it's sold anything. here, of course, Apple has cross-licensing with Microsoft. So no one is asserting that Windows Phone infringes on Apple's property. Microsoft and Apple aren't going after each other at all. They pay each other money, I guess, and they're happy with that arrangement. Now, with Google, do you think Apple is now going to say, okay, we've won these victories, now we're going to go after the big cheese? I'm sorry, say that again. Do you think <laughs> that now that Apple has been as victorious as they are, that maybe they will make a run towards Google? Well, Google doesn't make products. Google is putting its software, it's powering all these different companies to compete with Apple, but it's not creating products that generate revenue. So Google is not really making money on Android. They're just trying to create an ecosystem where they can put ads on something and get some revenue out of it. But what's really happening is it's the licensees that are earning the money. So Samsung is the one earning the money. And I don't think there's any question about why Apple went after Samsung most pointedly. Because, A, they were, they were copying the most egregiously, but also that the only ones making any money. Google's Android uh, subsidiary isn't making any money. HTC is not doing well. LG is not doing tremendous. So it, it's really kind of a warning shot to everybody else to be like, hey, you better not copy us because we're really serious about this. Now, and, with Google, the other question here is, with Motorola Mobility, there are obviously patent issues there because Motorola is suing Apple, Apple suing Motorola. They have this agreement in Germany. Now, with Google, wouldn't Google now want to make an accommodation with Apple going forward to avoid this problem? Otherwise, Android's going to look toxic, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's already concerns to that. And I think Apple's next going to go after patents that really um, are kind of fundamentally core to Android. Because what they were suing here was like some feature patents, which, you know, really could be... Um, worked around. But there's some, Apple has patents that really are on the core of like a core of Android technologies that if if they can build upon what they have, some of these patents are harder to argue because they're more complicated and they're, they're more of an issue. But now that Apple has this very like slam dunk win, they can go to courts because the courts have a lot of respect for previous decisions by judges, but they also have a lot of respect for the decision of juries. That doesn't mean that they won't refute any of it, but when a jury decides something, it's like, well, our legal system spent a certain amount of time and resources on this question, so we should have some respect for it. So now that that's been handed down, Apple's going to use that as a precedent just over and over again to say Samsung not only was found guilty of infringement, they were found guilty of willful infringement, and a jury of, you know, independent jury said yes, across the board. They're guilty of all this stuff. And so that's going to make it much easier to go to stage two and say, okay, so they flagrantly copied our designs, willfully, the jury found. We believe they also copied this technology and this technology, and that Android intrinsically, you know, copies this and this. And that's going to be much easier position to argue. It's like arguing a case against somebody, you know, arguing a case against the mayor and arguing a case against somebody who's a known burglar 
it's been much easier to, to prove a case against somebody who also already has a tarnished reputation. And there you go. We have to look at an end game. Is there going to be an end game? Or is Android toast? Will all these handset makers start looking for Windows Phone or something else? But then who's buying Windows Phone? Hasn't done so well lately. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're trying to put it all together, Apple versus Samsung and the possible endgame. So looking at the position of the handset makers, obviously, at this point, maybe it would be easier for them to look for another OS. And obviously, Windows Phone is not going to have this encumbrance of patent lawsuits. On the other hand, they've sold Windows Phone products and nobody buys them. So what's Samsung to do? Samsung obviously wants to get out of this, don't they? Well, if you look at the market for, for smartphones in general, there are... You know, the, the popular market has always been, you know, for a long time was covered by Nokia, which made some Symbian phones, but a lot of them were just embedded things that served a, a purpose. And 
there were a number of companies that made either something along those lines, some kind of embedded thing, like LG made a lot of that, Samsung made a lot of that. They, they just did their own software, but they were kind of simple and, you know, weren't that great. Basic feature phones. Well, Basically, I mean, you place phone calls, you have It was messaging. kind of feature, feature plus. Feature so you could, plus. you could run little applets and stuff, and you could sure. do things that sort of looked like a smartphone. But Apple really raised the bar, and they raised it really high. And they leveraged a lot of technology that they had in, in making desktop computers because iOS is really Mac OS X optimized for working on a, a mobile device. There isn't anybody who has technology like that anywhere apart from, I mean, you could really make a stretch to say Microsoft. And Windows Phone 7 is better than anything they had done before. But it's very new and there's no money behind it. So Apple from the get-go, I mean, Apple released the iPhone, and they were making billions on it immediately. And they were already making a lot of money on the iPod. And, you know, their Mac business was significant, too. So they had a lot of reason to be developing it and developing it quickly. And we're now approaching iOS 6. So we're on the sixth level of this stuff. And there's really nobody else that's been co-developed. Um, co-developing on the same sort of pace, apart from, I mean, you could kind of say Android. But Android has not been developed by Google in the same sort of discipline and the same sort of creating a product. Because Android is supposed to be this kind of open source toolbox that you can use any way you want. And the direction that Google has provided, when they have provided direction, has been very scattershot. So if you look at, you know, era 2010, they were doing like all right with Froyo, and then they came out with the the um, the next gingerbread release, the Android 2.0 versions. But then they came out with this distraction of we're going to copy the iPad with with 3.0 Honeycomb, and that was they lost a whole year on that. They didn't end up with any bit of the tablet market with Honeycomb, and the only people that were making tablets at all were making these 2.0 tablets, like Samsung and you know the Kindle Fire. Um, that's not what Google wanted them to do. And now they're, they're on 4.0, which is kind of 3.0 plus, and trying to get that into cell phones. But if you look at the installed base of Android, it's all Android 2 still. I mean, the majority, more than half, I think it's something like 60%, or maybe it's even higher than that, is running Android 2.0. In fact, I was looking at these infringing phones that Apple was that Apple targeted, all these Galaxy S2 phones that are quite popular still are still shipping with software from 2010. They're, they're, they're either Android 2.2 Froyo or 2.3 Gingerbread. Now, the one so, thing I, mean, I noticed here, the other day my son was in town visiting some friends, and we had dinner with his group of friends. And one of them had some kind of generic Android phone. I don't know if it was HTC or Samsung. I don't remember. But I tried to play with it for a while, and the thing you see is that it kind of, sort of, looks like the iPhone, but doesn't have the polish. The icons aren't as distinct or as artistic or as smooth. The motion when you touch and drag and all that stuff, you tap and drag, it's ragged. It's slightly ragged. It kind of jerks along. There's nothing smooth about it. It's not refined. It's like Windows, in a sense, which is you take... 80 or 90 percent of the interface that you could borrow, steal, or recreate, but you don't get that 5, 10, 20 percent of refinement. And, and it, polish. Yeah, that, that's very much Android 2.0. And if you look at you know, the history of Windows, it was kind of similar that you know, when Windows first came out, and you know, Windows 1 and Windows 2, nobody even used it. Windows 3 was like this really 
really dumpy. Apple didn't even take it seriously. And it wasn't really until Windows 95 that people were like, oh, wait a minute, you know, this kind of looks like a Macintosh, and, you know, it's maybe a little bit cheaper. Um, I think that's what a lot of people thought Android was going to do, because Android was going along, just being this kind of, like, very second-rate, very, you know, you really had to hold your nose to use it. And things started to change in 2011 with with um, Honeycomb, but instead of going on phones, Google was so intent on getting it on tablets and, and challenging the iPad that they totally lost the phone market with that. And even today, people are still using Android 2.2, like I said, on new phones. I, I think that's amazing. If you could imagine Apple shipping a phone with iOS 3 on it or iOS 4, it was just that's an eternity ago. Now, you know, the other so thing much here, I guess, is that customers of Android products aren't accustomed to getting updates because they can't. But we have yeah. to look at the game in the future. Windows Phone isn't making it for them. So where do they go? They want an operating system. Do you think that maybe Research in Motion will try to license BlackBerry as an alternative now, seeing that there's I'm room? sure they would like to, but I, I, don't, I don't know that there's room. I think what we're going to see is a situation kind of like the iPod, where Apple's making all the devices that people want that are premium of any type, you have a couple companies that are trying to sell something like the Zune or, you know, there are a couple other companies, you know, Sony kept trying to make devices that, you know, really hard, hardcore Apple haters, they could buy it and struggle through them. I mean, like, I hate this product, but at least it's not from Apple. And then you had a whole bunch of like cheap knockoff things. So you go and you get a little SanDisk thing at Radio Shack and it, it has, and people can brag, oh, this has twice the memory of, you know, whatever. Um, I can see the phone market being like that, where Apple has this huge section of it, even if Apple had, you know, half the phone market, even if they shrunk a little bit and just continued to have half the market, you could have a whole bunch of people offering, you know, cheap phones and phones that do this and phones that do that, phones that like open out and there's two screens or there's a screen and a keyboard and whatever else. Apple has no problem with that because Apple makes plenty of money selling what it does. And, you know, at some point, I don't think it's Apple's goal to, like, own the market. You know, Microsoft wanted to own the market. They just wanted to shut everybody else down, and they wanted to be the only option in town. And that was really, I think, disastrous for Microsoft because they didn't have any competition. They had nothing pushing them, and they just kind of, like, sat down and, you know, passed out. Where I think it's better for Apple to, to be in a competitive market. And you're kind of asking, who's going to provide the competition? And we've already seen it's, you know... Google's been providing, you know, Android's been providing the competition. And if if elements of Android become, like, too expensive or too too infringing to, to continue, I mean, you can also always have, you know, go back a few years and have Java ME phones or, you know, Microsoft phones that people put their own interface on or or whatever. I, I think there's all kinds of options. And to, to worry that there's not going to be options for people, I mean, it, it would be very... I think it would be smart for someone to come out with a phone that's just very simple. You know, here's a smartphone that doesn't look like the iPhone, doesn't um, doesn't have to have all the same features, but it does this really well, and it does that really well. And it's really just stupid easy to use. And there's cool things about it. I think that would be very successful. I mean, that's basically what the iPhone was. When the iPhone came out, people were like, oh, it doesn't have a nice camera on it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have the ability to, you know put all these Java applets on it. No, it doesn't. It can't run Flash. No, it doesn't. So are basically the revisiting could. the original iPhone, offering it at a cheaper price for people who can't afford that. But, of course, Apple will be giving you those low-cost versions of the iPhone by virtue of the older models. So how do you get away with that? Well, I mean, that's the nature of operating in the technical environment. I mean, same thing with PCs. How can you possibly compete with a Macintosh? Well, 
you know, there's all kinds of companies competing with Macintosh. I don't think that the market is going to collapse without. And you have people trying new things. I mean, that's what the market is about. Google's like trying this Chrome OS. What if we replace the operating system with the browser? Maybe the big thing that will happen here is that the handset makers will be more innovative. They'll say, look, we don't want to just use something that might infringe on Apple's intellectual property. Let's look at the markets they don't penetrate, like, for example, smaller tablets where there's been some success. Of course, that might change if there is an iPad Mini. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to AsSeenOnTV.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 Organic Soil Conditioner, Fertilizer Amendment, and Compost Accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. 
Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Before we move quickly to another topic, Daniel, do you think that Apple and Samsung now will be able to sit down and just get this thing worked out? Or will Samsung continue to fight? Well, Samsung's going to continue to fight. And they're not, they're not really dealing... Like, if I, I, I don't like confrontation. So if I have a problem with somebody, I like to just work it out and just be like, here's the deal, let's just, let's just do this and do that and like not have an argument because I don't see that that's useful. And what Samsung is doing, I mean, there's some people that just like to fight. But what Samsung is doing is they're not fighting Apple directly. They're running off to the press and saying, oh, yeah, Apple's uh, rectangles, rectangles, rectangles. Apple's patenting the rectangle. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not suing the, you know, Kindle Fire. It's a rectangle. They're, you know, there's a lot of things that they're not suing that are rectangles. They're suing your product because it's not only a rectangle, but it looks exactly like the iPhone. And it has all these feature patents that they've like clearly patented and that you ripped them off intentionally. I mean, you're just, you're a liar, Samsung. And the, the kind of things that they're, that they're going out and, and seeding to the press and saying, oh, they're hurting competition and, you know, they're killing innovation. You're not innovating by copying somebody else's products. And so when you see somebody who's just, it just sounds like Samsung has turned into an Android blogger. Like they've read their own They've read the fan notes of their own, you know, most delusional fans and thought that would be great. Let's run with that for all of our arguments. And it's so delusional and so, like, out of touch with reality that it's, it's hard to imagine that Samsung's actually, you know, it's a big company. They have a legal team. They know what they can and can't do. You can't just, like, walk into someone else's property and build a home on someone else's yard. But we understand and be like, that, hey, well, Daniel, but the end game here is... Isn't Samsung going to have to wake up one day? I mean, it's a sprawling company with separate divisions. And they see they're doing a lot of business with Apple. Wake up one day, make an accommodation, get past this. We'll have to see how that plays out. I think it will have a lot to do with whether or not the market, how they fare in the market. Because if they think they can just continue to sort of like um, push the ball along that they have been, this kind of very disingenuously lying about stuff and just retain their fan base and continue to sell things, they're going to continue to do it. But if they're hit hard enough to where they start losing market share, they start you know, losing this kind of almost as good as Apple sort of thing that they've got from, from copying Apple. When they start to lose money, when they start to lose prominence, then they're going to be like, oh, we need to change our strategy. 
So that's what Apple's trying to do. They're trying to hit them where that hurts and says, you know, if you copy us, we're going to seek penalties and it's not going to work out well for you. Quickly on another subject. I'm seeing more and more every time I read about Windows 8. People don't like it. There's somebody here from PCGamesN.com. He's saying, why I'm uninstalling Windows 8? And he's got so many reasons, you know, like window management is a pain in the arse. Windows 8 is really meant for tablets. Switching between Metro apps now, of course, modern UI apps, is a complete farce. Core apps that offer basic OS functionality are Metro only, and they're awful. And I'll stop there because I tried the email app from the modern UI or whatever under Windows 8. And you can set an account for a Microsoft email address or Hotmail or Outlook.com. You can set it for Google, it looks like. But if you have an email account somewhere else, there's no way to set it. I've been stating this viewpoint for some time <laughs> that, that Windows 8 is, I mean, you know, two years ago, it was, you know, they were kind of aiming at this. And over the last two years, it's like occasionally I'll point out, it's like, what are they doing? This doesn't make sense. You can't just like do this huge release of we're, we're going to totally win back market share and mind share by just coming out with something totally different. And it's like, do you remember Vista? Because Vista wasn't terrible software. It wasn't like unworkable. It was just different and confusing for people who are used to something else. And it, and it introduced a lot of changes driver changes and things that, you know, really cause problems for people uh, when they're trying to upgrade computers. And if you look at Windows 8, it's so far beyond, a, a, it's so much a bigger leap than Vista was. And one they of the big problems basically threw Vista. Windows out the window. Well, when you have a product, you have to, when you have a product, especially with an established audience, you can't just come in and say, oh, we're going to totally revamp it and it's going to be like this now. Because your customers are going to say, well, we've been buying this because we like it the way it is. I mean, Apple It's like, for example, extent. you have a car, and instead of using a steering wheel, you have a joystick. Well, I mean, that's kind of a forward example. But if you think about desktop software, remember when Apple came out and said, we bought Next, we're going to like, here, we're going to make Next Step look more like the Mac. And so here's Next Step with sort of a Mac OS Copeland interface on it. And people said, what? Does this, does this run my you know old version of Office? Does this... You know, is there anything that's going to be slightly different? Because that's going to make me freak out. And Apple wasn't back to the drawing board, and they had to create this, you know, converging paths that took years to get together. And, you know, Microsoft did kind of the same thing with Windows NT and Windows 95. They were hoping to, to converge it pretty rapidly and get their, you know, basically DOS users onto Windows NT pretty rapidly. And it took them more than five years to get to Windows 2000. And then, you know, they had to go to XP and... Um, make it more like kind of the DOS environment of the 90s to, so that people were comfortable. And so then they, they stopped for like six years and, and come out with Vista. And people are like, whoa, this is, a, this is some changes here. I don't understand this. And so they came out with Windows 7, which is kind of like a toned-down version. And they came out with Windows 8, which is even far more of a crazy leap into being, hey, look, we're now Apple. And that's not who their customers want them to be. If they wanted Apple, they would have switched, like, you know, like the 10 or 20% that have already switched. But Microsoft has to be Microsoft if it wants to keep Microsoft's customers. And it's very confusing that they think that they need to be Apple to get Microsoft customers, because Microsoft customers, if they wanted to be Apple's customers, they would be Apple's customers. So this is a very strange, like, a very strange kind of strategy that, that Microsoft is trying to pull off. 
of look at us, we're the best of Microsoft, and we're also all the best of Apple. And it's like, that's not really what your customer, customers wanted, I don't think. And if you but, look at the Surface, the pictures of the Surface, and they still haven't fleshed out, by the way, the specs for the Surface. If you look at the picture, it looks like a flat pancake PC. You're making it look like a PC on the kickstand horizontally with the keyboard that looks like a regular PC keyboard, but flattened. It's kind of like the Windows 8 modern UI, which is flat instead of fluffy or whatever. Yeah, I I think the Surface is either going to be way too expensive and people are just going to be like, no, I'm not. Or it's going to be cheap and really slow and gutless like a Kindle Fire. It's going to be very difficult for them to match the iPad because there's been a, there's I mean people take for granted the amount of technology that Apple's put in the iPad to refine it to be as quick as it is because and it's the other the thing we have to bear in mind hardware, with the Surface and we're going to wrap up in fast. a minute. I predict that the Surface, if it appears at all, will be a limited production item because Microsoft doesn't want to upset their OEMs any more than they did. And Steve Ballmer also called it a design point. So in as much as it's a design point. It may have been a wake-up signal saying, do something different with your Windows 8 tablets. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for uh, RefleyDrafted.com and also for AppleInsider.com. Been writing a little bit more lately. We'll see it coming. We're happy to see it. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right. Thanks for having me, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
We've all heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, a wise saying for sure. Now apply that wisdom to nutrition. Don't judge milk by the animal. Camel milk, the best kept health secret ever. See for yourself at camelmilkforsale.com and look for the summer camel milk special. Loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk, camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk. 10 times higher in iron. Plus, it contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm, shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to camelmilkforsale.com now and look under products and pricing for the summer special with free bonus pints. That's camelmilkforsale.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. And a reminder, this segment is brought to you by a new sponsor, Crush FTP. Now, Crush FTP is what they call an FTP file server, and it runs great on Macs, including Mountain Lion, on Windows. Also, it runs on Linux. And you run your own file server. You can run it in the cloud or host it on your computer. And this way, it lets your customers drag and drop the files they need to upload or retrieve from a web client. So if they're using Internet Explorer on Windows, Safari, or Chrome on the Mac, whatever... They can use drag and drop to upload files, multiple files. They use advanced PGP encryption to make sure all the files are safe. Prices start at $40. Go to crushftp.com. Crushftp.com. Mike Prospero is Reviews Editor for Laptop Magazine. Right at this point, our friendly neighborhood online editorial director, Avram Pilch, is in Berlin. And he's attending this consumer trade show called the IFA, and it's subtitled Consumer Electronics Unlimited. For those who aren't going to be in Berlin this week, Mike, tell us more about it. Sure. Well, it's in some ways the European version of CES. In fact, some people are talking this week about how it could start to supplant CES as one of the go-to trade shows in terms for consumer electronics. Pretty much every you know every consumer electronics company out there is over in Berlin right now, showing off some of their latest wares. Of course, with one exception. Yes, 
Yes, Apple keeps to its own schedule and has its own events. Now, that's an interesting point here. When we have shows like this, do we see Apple's presence in their absence? Yes and no. It really depends on sort of the, when the cycle is, you know, in terms of refreshing units and things like that. You know, for example, we're right now at, at IFA, we're starting to see a lot of, like, Windows 8 machines, actually, and, like, and tablets and the like. That's sort of going on outside of Apple stuff. I guess the only thing that we feel of Apple's presence here is, you know, in terms of their lawsuit vis-a-vis Samsung. Well, that has to be certainly weighing on all the companies. The other question I'd have is Microsoft, in light of the introduction of the Surface tablet. Now, do they have a presence? And I ask this for a specific reason. I look right now at Microsoft's site, microsoft.com slash Surface, and we're still getting the same preliminary information we got a couple of months ago. Anything new? Not that I've really heard of. I mean, in fact, like all the other notebook makers are sort of going full steam ahead in terms of you know, developing their own uh, Windows 8 tablets. You know, I, I don't know how much of an impact the Surface is really going to have, you know, considering that it is only going to be sold at sort of select outlets. Do we even believe it's a real product or just something to prod the PC OEMs to do better? Oh, I'm sure it's a real product, but I'm sure the vol- you know, but it, you know, it serves that dual function as well as as spurring the other notebook makers to innovate more. Well, tell me, what kind of tablets are these notebook makers coming up with that would properly extol the features of Windows 8, but also compete with the iPad, which is the big game in town? I guess you're seeing two different strategies for Windows 8 tablets. There's the one, there's the RT version of Windows 8 tablets, which we haven't really seen much of yet. Now, Um, RT, for those who are wondering what all this is about, Windows 8 RT will run on ARM-based processors like the Google and the Apple tablets. mm -hmm. Now, the other version will be running on Intel processors using, say, Windows 8 Pro. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We have um, two masters here. We have the power user who listens to this show and the regular person who says, I don't want to know about the inside baseball and the jargon. Just tell me about the cool gadgets. Well, anyway, as I was saying, the two versions, there's the sort of the RT tablets, which we haven't seen much of, but those are, the gonna, those are presumably the ones that will be competing with the iPad, at least, you know, in terms of price. And then there's the full-fledged Windows tablets, Windows 8 tablets that are looking, that are designed more for, you know, productivity users and and the like, and we've certainly seen a lot of them, and those are the ones that I think that um, notebook makers are are more banking on to uh, you know to have more sales of. When I talked to Avram just a few months ago about some of the Windows 8 tablet proposals, he was talking about the same stuff, which is of course you have a notebook with a touch sensitive screen or a reversible screen or something like that. Any new concepts, anything new, different than what we've seen so far? Well, there's one that Toshiba just leaked slash announced. Their embargo was broken early. It's a uh, sliding design. So if you can imagine the touchscreen lies on top of the uh, keyboard, but then sort of slides upwards and then up at an angle, if you will, so that it looks, so when it's fully open, it looks more like a traditional notebook. But then when you slide it back over it, um, the screen is still exposed, but the keyboard is hidden. Now, something that complex would not be cheap. 
No. This one, I think they're still, you know, a lot of these companies are are working out the prices, but, you know, we're, we're guessing that this one's the satellite U925T. It's probably going to cost, you know, north of $1,000. Okay, so let's look at the price points we have now. We have the Kindle Fire from Amazon. We have the Nexus 7 from Google and Asus. They start at 199 and you may have more pricier versions with more memory for 249 We have the iPad from Apple, the iPad 2 last year's model at 399 the one with Retina display at 499 and rumors, and I'll ask you more about those later, the rumors of an iPad mini, which would maybe be 249 or 299 So where does $1,000 get into this picture and how does it compete? You know, it wouldn't compete with those at all. Um, that's... It's just meant that, to be a convertible notebook. It, pretty much, yes. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's a notebook for those who want for those who want a touch-enabled notebook running Windows 8, but you know, one in the form more, a more versatile form factor. I guess that's what these systems are designed to to do. Now, traditionally, computers of that sort have gone mostly to vertical markets, and I'm thinking, in a sense of like a doctor's office. I know I used to have a general practitioner I'd visit, and he had these tablet-type computers, Windows notebooks with touch-sensitive screens. And they look like normal notebooks, except the screens swivel. This is the kind of stuff that's sold. So is that the market these things are going to be in, the Intel-based tablets? Yes, but I think these are targeted at a wider audience than that. You know, these are going to be targeted you know people who also want you know who also want that functionality but as we're seeing with a lot of designs they are a lot uh thinner and you know a little more easier to carry actually than those traditional swivel the screen designs okay so we get more bang for the buck here but moving Mm -hmm. on to the arm-based tablets you're not seeing much action there yet isn't that the area where if Microsoft and their partners hope to compete with Apple and Google, they've got to excel in that kind of tablet. Yep, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, the the word that we were heard, we, we've been hearing is that that's those RT tablets were the ones that are going to be that would compete at least at a price point. You know, with the iPad and um, and other ta- and, and other Android based tablets. You know, in that sort of four or five hundred dollar price range. So are there any ideas what Microsoft is going to do with the Surface, assuming it comes out as scheduled? We get the Windows RT version for ARM processors out around the time that Windows 8 ships. I believe that's October 26th. Yes. Okay. What kind of price is Microsoft going to accept for this? Are they going to try to bring it in at four, five, six hundred dollars, or are they going to make this a premium price product because it has the built-in or included cover with the accessory keyboard on it. What will they do? We'll ask Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine. Once again, this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Crush FTP, which runs fine on every OS, Mac, Windows, even Linux. Run your own FTP server on your own computer or run it in the cloud on a hosted virtual machine. Learn more at crushftp.com, crushftp.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. America, land of the free. But how free can you be, really, when Internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Here it is, another election year. And here you are again wishing you knew more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, and the Declaration of Independence. But who has the time to study? Wouldn't it be nice if you could simply listen to them? And wouldn't it be great if they came packaged with an index? Yep, an index that lets you go to any part of the founding documents just by punching in a track number on your computer or CD player. What exactly is the Ninth Amendment? Track 10, play. It's that simple. The Founding Documents Collection on Audio CD. To get yours now, just go to Amazon.com and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. For just $19.95 and $3.99 shipping and handling, you'll have the firepower you need to argue from the ultimate facts that form our nation's foundation. Want to be a hero? Get one for you and give another to your local school for Constitution Day. Go to Amazon.com now and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic 
toxic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Mike Prospero. He's the Reviews Editor at Laptop Magazine. That's where Avram Pilch works, and Avram is off this week attending a trade show in Berlin, not really off. I mean, when you attend these trade shows, it's a lot of work. It's not fun and games. You're seeing exhibit halls. You're not enjoying fun and frolic. You can't do that. So he's off at the IFA. So the question I asked there about pricing, expected pricing for the Surface tablet, what do you think, Mike? What do you think Microsoft's going to try to do? Well, if they want to move them, they're going to have to price them competitively with the iPad. You know, it's uh, the keyboard case cover slash I don't know how many slashes meet in there, keyboard slash case slash covered. You know, it's that's probably going to have to be offered, you know, cheaply or as part of the price. I can't see, you know, them offering more than $50 over the regular price for something like that if they want consumers to buy it. So Microsoft might have to take a bath in terms of pricing to move up market share. They're going to have to do what they did with other products, pour lots of money into it, but not expect gains except to enhance the platform. Yep. I mean, but I mean, isn't that Microsoft's strategy all along, though? I mean, ultimately, it's about selling Windows 8 licenses, not hardware. Okay, well, the Windows 8 licenses, look what Microsoft did. They have a special price. It's in effect until... January 31st of 2013. So if you buy the Windows 8 upgrade, it's 39.99 and higher if you buy the physical DVD version. I think it's 69.99 or something like that. But the price goes back to fairly normal upgrade levels as of February 1, 2013. Yep. So that's, that's being right. aggressive to try to get early adapters to pick it up. Mhm. That's right. And uh, but you know as 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 we all know Getting a getting a new operating system, a new software, is also largely dependent on the hardware that can run it too. And consumers have to be as equally excited about the hardware as they are the software. Well, I'll tell you this: a normal PC will allegedly run Windows 8 pretty well. Heck, I run it on a virtual machine. I run one of the late betas. I haven't gotten the RTM yet. I'm running it in the new version of VMware Fusion, version five for the Mac. And performance is fine. I mean, I have qualms about the interface and the feature set, but that's another story. The point is I don't have to worry about performance. If they can run it in a virtual machine with good performance, I think that any PC in the last few years should have no problem. Yeah, I mean, but it's more than just about the machine running it. I mean, with the new OS, you know, considering it has all these touch features, and this is another thing we're seeing too, is that laptop makers are incorporating touch displays into a lot more a lot more of their traditional systems. Samsung for instance just uh announced that its budget Series 5 Ultra Ultrabook uh which starts at around 799 is actually going to have a touchscreen as well so you can you know you can use Windows 8 
on, you know, by, by touching the screen and not just the uh, mouse pad. That's a big argument, I think, also, which is do people want to have a traditional notebook, even a very slim and light notebook like an Ultrabook, which is, of course, the Intel equivalent of like the MacBook Air? You know, really thin, pretty kind of notebook. Do you want a touch screen on those? Well, that's, that's the big debate. I mean, Apple, I mean, traditionally has said that, you know, it's an unnatural act to reach across the keyboard to touch the screen. And we got to watch um, out for those unnatural acts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. about that. The devil made me do it. It had to be my co-host from the other radio show. <laughs> so, and it's, it remains to be seen how, how widely it will be adopted. I mean, and it's, Notebook makers are having enough trouble as it is selling Ultrabooks to begin with. Guy, I uh, wonder about, too, which is very interesting. When Apple came out with a MacBook Air, sales were off the charts. I mean, the original MacBook Air was too expensive, but when they brought it down to a $9.99 price point, the larger share, a very large share of Mac notebooks are MacBook Airs of one configuration or another. But it seems as if on the Windows side, and there's a lot more flexibility from the Intel reference platform for different PC makers to use or not use different features. You have all these Ultrabooks coming out, but they're not doing well at all? Nope. I mean, traditionally... At least for PCs, you know, it's still the 15-inch system that costs, you know, between five and six hundred dollars. That remains. Those are basically the cheap system. We're talking about a 15-inch notebook for five, six hundred dollars is a cheap entry-level notebook. You buy it on price. Yep, and that's what a lot of people are still looking for. I don't know. There's, you know, it's probably due the cachet that Apple has that you know their their airs move so well. But you know, still, when you think about it, you know. Even with Apple, that's still a small, small segment of the overall PC market. Well, it's a bigger segment than it used to be because even though sales didn't increase so much on Macs this past quarter, they tend to have gone ahead of the PC makers. Like, for example, Dell and HP are having more and more troubles moving PCs. Mm-hmm. And and their Ultrabooks, you know, aren't still quite up, you know, I guess in the eyes of consumers and and us too, really, you know, aren't still, aren't quite up to the level of the air in terms of sort of style and ease of use and, and portability. Now, so is part be, of that Windows or is it just because the hardware makers are not really putting that extra level of refinement into how they make them? A little bit of both. I would say more the hard, in terms of hardware design. Um, there's, you know, a few things, you know, for example, no one really gets the touchpad like Apple does. I understand that Apple has more functionality into it. And whatever touch you may have on a exactly. Mac notebook, it's embedded in the touchpad. They don't want to touch the screen. You do everything on this very big touchpad, plus they have a magic trackpad which is an option you can buy for any desktop Mac. If you like that kind of movement, you can do the same thing on an iMac or a Mac Mini or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, for and also you know things like the keyboard as well. Um, it's 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 been very hard for other notebook makers to replicate you know the comfort and ease of use um, of the MacBook Air's keyboard. Well, as a matter of fact, the way Apple's done it is the MacBook Air keyboard is the same as the MacBook Pro keyboard. And now with the Apple aluminum keyboards for desktop Macs, they're using the same kind of keyboard feel. So you can go back and forth between desktop and notebook 
and it's basically the same keyboard, unless you yeah. don't like that keyboard. Now, I have to tell you, folks, as some of you know, I like an old-fashioned computer keyboard. I have something called the Tactile Pro from Matthias. There's something called DAS keyboard that's also similar, and they use physical mechanical switches. They kind of feel like old IBM keyboards. I tell you, the other one we really like, though, in an Ultrabook is uh, on the Lenovo X1 Carbon. That's their, you know, super thin, you know, business. It's business focused notebook, but it's uh, fantastic. It's really thin, and light, um, gets really good battery life, and has a fantastic keyboard as well. How's Lenovo doing despite the economy? They seem to be better suited than the American PC makers in producing gear that is really state of the art and well built. They're, yeah, they're doing quite well. I think they're up to actually, I, I, if I recall correctly, they're the the second largest notebook maker now behind uh, HP. So they must be, they're doing something right. Well, I know that they continued the traditional touchpad, which was the best keyboard for Windows users. The old IBM touchpad when Lenovo took over that division, they did very well by it, and they seem to get it. But the traditional PC makers don't now. Giving the problems that HP had, for example, I'm going to ask you quickly about this and we go back into more new gear. HP isn't doing so well. The only thing I can see that Meg Whitman has done since she became CEO, other than lots of buzzwords and excuses, is to make sure they don't spin off the PC division. What else did they do at HP? Uh, well, that seems, I mean, that seems to be the big thing. I, I, I'm not surprised. You know, they sort of hunkered down and they're probably figuring out what's the next best thing to do and what's their strategy going forward. And In other words, they don't have a strategy. <laughs> well, maybe the strategy for them is status quo at the moment. But, I mean, after um, all the radical changes that in, that, were tri- that tr- were tried and failed, you know, over, um, uh, was it over Leo's uh, apothecary's uh, uh, term, you know, maybe it's a good thing that you know they're taking more time and a more measured approach for that, for different uh, innovations and strategy. Yeah, but you have to look at what HP is. When Apple was started in the 1970s, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs wanted to be like HP. They admired that company. That was the company they looked up to. My, haven't things changed? Hmm, haven't they though? And. You know, and you have to wonder sometimes, you know, as Apple gets larger and larger, if they're going to fall into the same um, trap, the same traps. Exactly. Sure, because you don't have the founder or co-founders there to run the company anymore. We have Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boost resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine, laptopmag.com. And if you go there, you'll see all sorts of cutting-edge reviews. By the way, I wrote an article for them actually 10 articles about mac os 10 mountain lion but that's a quick plug we'll get past that we're looking of course at primarily this trade show that's taking place in berlin the ifa show we're looking at the mobile gear mostly computers and whether or not the various pc makers have a clue i'm going to ask you kind of a sideways question before we go into more mobile gear that might be at ifa you read about the announcement from Lexmark. They're going to dump their printer line, at least the consumer-level printers. Yeah, as I heard that. I think I saw someone tweet about that, actually. Now, I understand here is that they're going to concentrate on high-end business-oriented printers, if at all. So has it reached a point where nobody can make money at printers except maybe for HP and Epson and maybe Canon? I, You know, I don't know. It. it over the last few years, you know, it seemed to be uh, printer makers, um, you know, have been sort of struggling to figure out, you know, what's the best way to keep pushing printers. You know, they've been dropping, you know, they were, they were, you know, they've got the old um, razor blade model where they sell the printers as cheaply as possible, then you know, try and recoup the money on on ink. Um, but then you also see a lot of efforts. Um, by these uh, printer makers to incorporate more mobile features. Um, we actually just did a roundup of a bunch of uh, printers ourselves um, that all have a number of ways that you can print to them wirelessly, you know, be it over Wi-Fi or uh, Bluetooth, or, you know, you can use an app on your smartphone and, you know, send pictures that way. They're trying a lot of different innovations to get consumers uh, you know, still buying printer. Still and buy they're printer. making them cheaper. You know, there's one printer, I assume you've tested this, the HP OfficeJet 8600 Plus. 
and I saw that Sam's Club for like $220. And to me, this is a fairly high-end office inkjet printer. It is amazingly fast. It is as fast as laser that I see. And the consumables are not so expensive because you put in black ink and you get like 2,000 pages. Hmm. I don't believe we've tested that one. Specifically. It's not a new model. It's maybe a year or two old. Oh, okay. I'd so have, it's I'd not current, but it is just an amazing printer. But I'm thinking here, that's the kind of stuff that maybe the average consumer would never touch. Yeah, when it comes to the you know the average consumer, you probably want something. It's not only fast, but you know you want something that has good quality too. You know, consider that although it, it seems to be an increase uh, more of a rarity these days that you know you've got all these great photos on your on your iPhone or or whatnot or you know whatever camera you happen to have, and you want a printer that's going to be able to uh, reproduce them so you can make some nice you know eight by ten glossies and hang them up on your wall. And the other thing I noticed, too, is more and more people, and I think this is the biggest problem, yeah, you'd like to have a printer, you want to make a copy of all the pictures you've taken with your smartphone and everything, but a lot of people don't have printers. My son moved to Europe several years ago after he graduated from college. To this day, he does not have a printer. He's never asked me for one. He knows he can get one for next to nothing, but he doesn't bother. Are we seeing a new generation of people who say, printing? What's that? Could be. I mean, you know, the, the there was the whole. I remember, you know, even as as long as ten, fifteen years ago, there everyone was talking about the paperless office. I still have uh, reams on my desk of uh, printouts. So I don't, I don't think that printing is ever is 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 going to go away in the near future. But it's certainly something that's you know less and less prevalent, especially, I'd imagine, at home. Well, that's where where the consumer lines are suffering, and that may be one reason why Lexmark exited that business, and that is the kind of printers that occupy the low end, which are purchased by home users. If they're not buying the printers or buying fewer printers, well, they're hurting a lot. Yep. I mean, how often? I mean, how often do you print something out at home versus, I guess, using the office printer? My home and my office are one and the same. So, <laughs> therefore, I have two printers. I have that OfficeJet 8600 Pro from HP, which is one of the current ones I'm using. And I've got one of those Xerox solid-ink printers, if you remember them. And this is not the latest model. It's a somewhat older model, but those things are workhorses. It works for a number of years. And I think the hope is that these printers will last a few years. The problem that's also been with these cheap printers is you buy them and a year or two later you have to throw them out or send them to the recycling bin. They don't hold up, and anything that goes wrong, the repair costs more than the printer. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you sell something cheaply, you know, it's probably going to be made cheaply too. Mm. So that's unfortunate. You know, it's a, you, you, you'd hope that uh, you know, things are made to last these days, but... It's not always the case. Now, will Lexmark start a trend? Are we going to see any other printer makers saying, we can't do this anymore? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, if if the money, if the real money is in uh, business uh, printers, then, you know, maybe maybe Lexmark is on the, on the uh, cutting edge of a new trend here. Do we have any other candidates? We have Xerox, we have Canon, we have Epson, we have HP, we also have Dell has a presence in the printer market. They even have their printers they work on Macs and PCs, believe it or not. You didn't know that Dell would make a product that work on a Mac, but after all, if they can sell the printer, it's fine. But seriously speaking, 
Do you think any of these makers are going to say, you know what, let's give up the consumer printers, focus on business or none at all? Well, given all of his other troubles, I would imagine Kodak might be the first one. Right. Do they even have that much of a presence in the printer market? I mean, the printers are gotten decent reviews. The consumables are supposedly fairly modestly priced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I mean, that's we actually reviewed one recently, um, and it was a $99 printer, but it had a remarkably good uh, color quality. It's the, it was the ESP2, the Kodak ESP2. Yeah, for a hundred bucks, um, it had it was fast, um, it was cheap, obviously, um, and it had a you know, and it had very good quality. Well, Brother makes some pretty decent printers, not always state of the art in terms of software or features, but they make them inexpensive and they seem to be built fairly well. Samsung makes all those really great cheap laser printers. Hmm. Of course, you know Samsung makes everything. What doesn't Samsung make? Yeah. I, I remember I was over in uh, Korea not too long ago, and uh, and they have uh, Samsung makes uh, refrigerators over there with uh, special drawers to uh, ferment kimchi. Believe it or not. Well, I'm just taking a look here. They make washers, dryers, refrigerators, microwaves. You know the whole range of Sears type products. They make the TV sets, of course. They make computers, laptops, all-in-one PCs, etc. They make printers. They make monitors. Of course, they make cameras and cell phones, which got them into trouble. We'll get into that in a moment. They make TVs, Blu-ray players. I have a Samsung Blu-ray player here. I mean, it looks like they make so many different things. You wonder how they keep up. But it's also with Samsung, they have lots of divisions that are very autonomous from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge, huge organization that they have. So basically, on one hand, we have Samsung selling billions of dollars of parts for Apple. You know, if you look at your Apple product, a notebook, a monitor, or an iPhone or an iPad, there's a reasonable possibility that Samsung made those LCDs. Mm -hmm. Or some of the chips inside of them. Right. In fact, there's a plant in the United States where Samsung fabricates some of Apple's processors, like the A5. You have to wonder how that that uh, it's almost like Apple got a rebate uh, when they uh, won that decision. Actually, <laughs> of course, they haven't sent the check, Samsung yet. The check is not sure. in the mail, and the way these lawsuits work, even if Judge Coe triples the damages, which she could do, she could say, "Well, it's willful infringement," and instead of a billion odd dollars, we'll make it three billion. They could do that, but Samsung appeals, and then they appeal the appeal, and then they appeal the appeal the appeal, and by the time this thing is solved, unless Apple and Samsung make a deal, in the meantime, the products that allegedly infringe Apple's intellectual property will no longer be available. I'm going to ask you about the mobile space and the reaction to Apple-Samsung in our next segment. We have Mike Prospero, reviews editor of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Jim Newcomer from Minus Resources, August 31st, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1660.60. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 170197, 850.99 for a half ounce, or 425.49 for a quarter ounce. That's 170197, 850.99, and 425.49. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Mike Prospero. He's with Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And it's a great publication. I read it all the time, even though I've written one or two pieces for them. I would do it anyway, okay, just to have full disclosure here. Okay, Mike, the Apple-Samsung verdict, watching that trial, did you expect it to end up the way it did? And we understand it's still not over, technically. No, I, I was very surprised at how much how big Apple won, at least in terms of the jury deciding in its favor. I mean, it pretty much, you know, went right down the board. You know, they, every, every, the jury found pretty much everything in Apple's favor. I think one thing that probably influenced that decision was this photograph of different Samsung smartphones. In 2006, they look like Blackberries. And a year or two later, they look like iPhones. And that was really hard to defend against. Yeah, it is. It is. But a lot of it's hard. It's hard to innovate when all your phones look just like a uh, you know a rectangle, I guess, with rounded edges. But I think it's it's, it's a lot more than rectangles and rounded edges, though. A lot of it is about making the rectangle and the rounded edges too close to Apple's, and also the software where it became more sure. difficult, like bounce back and stuff like that. Things that Apple's patent. You know, if you look at all these patent filings and the ones that Apple's been awarded. It seems that if the iOS breathes, Apple has a patent on that. Mm-hmm. They thought ahead, I guess. <laughs> They're super aggressive. And I think part of it is the paranoia over Apple and Microsoft. John Scully licenses supposedly a very small amount of Apple user interface rights to Microsoft. And Microsoft, being very smart, they leverage that to basically being able to duplicate just about everything in the Mac OS. And that has mm-hmm. to hurt. You know, Apple borrowed a lot of their ideas from Xerox initially, too. So Yeah, but the way they arranged that, and this is very complicated, is a story about that where supposedly Apple offered Xerox a million shares of Apple or some really high number of shares for a million dollars ahead of the IPO, in exchange for which Apple could duplicate anything they wanted. Now, however, after the Mac came out, Xerox sued Apple and lost. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. That worked out 400 years ago. But, you know, Apple sued a lot of the companies for supposedly imitating the Mac OS feel, and it was only Microsoft where they lost. That's a good point. That's a good point. And Apple was very paranoid, I have to say it, about a patent on everything. They patent the shoes they wear. I don't know. Whatever it is, there's a patent on that, and that has certainly hurt. But the other question I have here is Samsung knowing what Apple was about. And I'll believe that Apple contacted Samsung extensively and said, look, make some changes, do something, license our intellectual property, make a deal. And Samsung has to know they're making all this income from selling parts to Apple. Why didn't Samsung just settle, make a few more changes in their products? Who knows? Maybe they thought they could win. Uh, I mean, if you look at there was a similar case in Korea that was decided uh, not too long ago where you know, they ruled in Samsung's favor. It was kind of mixed. So, they ruled a little bit Samsung, a little bit Apple, but the only products impacted are older 
Apple mobile mm-hmm. gadgets. You know, maybe they were, maybe they thought that they could have, uh, they could get around it that way, or maybe, you know, maybe it's just a matter of pride or, or stubbornness that you know they decide to go through with the whole lawsuit. Looking at the reports, and I wasn't there, though we had some people on the show who did attend at least part of the trial. From what I read, and I have to assume after you read three or four versions of something, you're getting a sense of what really happened. Apple had a slicker presentation, a more solid presentation of their case. And Samsung was just saying, well, it's about rectangles and curves, and it's not. It's a lot more complicated than that. But Samsung kind of looked desperate in trying to defend themselves. And maybe with better lawyers, with a better legal team, they would have had a better defense, and they would have maybe done better in this case. A lot of it's the lawyers, too, right? Yeah, well, you know, when it, when it, when it's coming from Apple, you know, I think you should expect a really nice presentation. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing is, you know, they... they Maybe it was it was a matter of brute force too. I mean, Apple went after Samsung on so many different fronts on this trial that maybe, you know, it was just all, it was a lot to defend. It was like a full court press essentially. Right, and you know, of course, you try to go for the moon and the stars, and if you get the moon, you feel victorious. But how does this affect the industry? How is the smartphone industry, and I think especially Google, going to be impacted? Knowing this is you know, one war in many wars in many fronts that's being waged around the world. Does Google try to make a greater effort to protect their property by making more changes? Do smartphone makers look at this and say, what could we do not to be sued by Apple? Do we make some kind of agreement with them or do we go to Windows Phone? Hmm. Well, there's a few questions there. Um, Let's go through each one. What the heck? Sure. Well, I guess in in regards to Google, you know, there's a few things. Actually, we inter- I interviewed a uh, patent attorney the other day. And I have his interview up on our site, and you know, he said, I, you know, he couldn't help but wonder if you know this was Apple sending a warning shot across uh, Google's bow. Well, sure. In terms, and it, it most certainly is, I would imagine. Um, but then you, you know, but then you look at. You know, Google having acquired uh, Motorola's mobility, you know, their, their mobile division the other year, um, you know, you, you have to wonder if that wasn't so that they could grab certain patents as well. Well, there are like um, so 12,000 patents included with exactly. Motorola mobility. Yeah. So they can, you know, so they can sort of, so that's that's probably Google sort of protecting its, you know, sort of being preemptive in, in some of these sure. things. But the other thing about Motorola, a lot of the key patents there are industry standards or standard essential patents, which they have to license to companies at fair and reasonable rates. We have these FRAND patents. And there was a story the other day in Germany that Apple and Motorola came to a deal. So you got to think, well, if they did it there, maybe that's going to be the basis for making a deal. Could be. Could be. But it doesn't um, stop. It doesn't stop. Google from having to protect Android. That's true. Um, but, you know, you'll notice that Apple went after after Samsung first. So, I mean, you know, it's it's probably it's a, it's probably going to be a bit harder if Apple were to have gone for Apple to go after another U.S. based company such as Google than it is to go after a foreign company such as Samsung in the U.S. court. Sure. But the other reason would be that Samsung is, in terms of sales and profits, the largest Android smartphone maker. So if they mm-hmm. went against Samsung, they're sending a notice to the other companies, to HTC and the other companies who build Android gear, hey, we're coming after you next, 
look what we did here. We're going to take that as evidence. The other question is here is what is the real benefit to Google? They're not making money on Android. They're making it on the eyeballs. There are also reports now that more people, at least for the short term, are turning in their Samsung phones. They're going to these resellers and trying to dump them. Now, is that just an immediate reaction? Will that die down in a few months? Or is it going to be a situation where the Android makers are going to have to say, we've got to look for another alternative. We don't want to be in Apple's crosshairs. We'll get into an answer in a moment. Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. My name is Angie, and ever since my daughter had alternating diarrhea and constipation, she suffered from hair loss, listlessness, and was stunted in her growth. After getting her onto two supplements suggested by Nutripath Stephen Hewer, she has improved dramatically. Her stools have normalized, her hair and her body are growing again, and she is beaming. I credit the majority of her improvement to One World Way. Children love the taste of One World Way, and their growing bodies are getting nature's best source of protein. Evidence shows that non-denatured whey protein powder is a better source of protein than meat, milk, or eggs. If you have finicky children and you want a protein that will support their growth, energy, and healthy brain function, One World Way is a must for you to try. Kids prefer it over junk food. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Alex Jones here with a great way to beat the blackouts, get off the grid, and generate your own supply of electrical power. Folks, with what's been going on in this country, I don't have to tell you about the power grid and just how vulnerable it is. That's in the mainstream news every day. Millions of people have lost their power in the last few weeks because of dangerous storms and killer heat that's pushing the grid beyond its capacity. I've always said that every family needs to be ready for blackouts. And if you don't have a backup system in place, I've got a great opportunity for you. Right now, our good friends at Solutions from Science are offering huge savings on their best-selling Power Hub unit. In fact, I think it's the best deal I've ever seen them make. It's literally thousands of dollars in savings. Remember, these backup systems don't need gas because they're solar-powered. That means there's no dangerous fumes and no noise. InfoWars listeners can get all the details at BeatTheBlackouts.com. That's BeatTheBlackouts.com. Clear out your pantry. 
and make room in your closets. You're going to need the space for these hot August deals at BePrepared.com. Today only, save 23% on Provident Pantry Scrambled Egg Mix or 28% on freeze-dried strawberry slices. New this month, baking cocoa for daily use or long-term storage. Buy one of the Provident Pantry baking or dessert combos and save up to $25 off individual component pricing. Or add some weight to your water storage at BePrepared.com. The ultimate 55-gallon water barrel combo is on sale this month for only $94.99. Food and water storage is great, but how are you going to cook it in an emergency? The popular Volcano 2 collapsible stove. Save $27.96 off MSRP. Go to BePrepared.com for more details and more August savings through today only. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and BePrepared.com's low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine. Joining us, I'm Gene Steinberg from the Tech Night Owl Live. So I guess we go back to the original question I kind of mentioned before. Do the other handset makers say, you know what? Why do we need to use Android? Is there no other OS we could use? You know, I I, I think they're going to stick. I think a lot of them are going to stick with Android too. Uh, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you know workarounds for some of these patents or something like that. You know, won't be found fairly soon. You know, and you know, plus if it if it encourages some extra innovation, then you know that's ultimately a good thing well that's the other question too some people are saying well we're going to lose choice because of apple but no i think if a company wants to avoid being sued by apple they might discover ways to be more innovative they'll say you know what we don't want to be sued by apple let's find ways to change android change the look and feel of our products make them different but maybe show more originality that can't hurt the Mm -hmm. consumer at all that's good yeah that's a good thing um you know if anything yeah, you know, we 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 saw from you know the well, it hasn't really taken off yet, but you know Windows eight, uh, Windows Phone eight, I should say, you know that that shows some real original thinking in terms of an OS design for a mobile device, and you know Nokia is certainly uh, you know thinking it's lucky stars, you know that that it wasn't involved in this lawsuit. But the question is here, so far, Windows Phone hasn't really done big numbers for people. I guess if more handset makers adopt it, they will. But isn't it also true that right now some of the Android handset makers have to send checks to Microsoft because of patent licensing? So Microsoft is getting money on every Android sale anyway, right? I suppose so. I'm not too familiar with, uh, with those issues. But I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll accept what you say. Okay, now the other question being, of course, is do the handset makers look and say, well, Windows Phone hasn't done so far that well, but if we push Windows Phone and pay Microsoft the normal licensing fee, we're not going to fear being sued by Apple because Apple hasn't bothered Microsoft. I think Apple and Microsoft have cross-licensing deals covering a variety of issues, so they haven't been in each other's crosshairs about this. That could be the saving grace for Windows Phone that those looking for an Android alternative will look at that. Also, what about Research in Motion? They're suffering. Does it make sense to license the RIM operating system, hoping they can get a leg up on this? 
you know, that might not be a bad strategy either. Um, although, you know, we're not quite sure what, what's going on with them yet either. They haven't exactly made the best business decisions in the last couple of years, so <laughs> I'm not sure if I would trust them to do that now. Um, well, maybe out of desperation. It could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, but that certainly is another option. Um, that's another very viable option. You know, but I don't. I don't see handset makers fleeing Android on mass, though. Um, I, I think it, you know. Another first off is that. You know, although there was this, you know, one billion dollar decision, you know, there's as you, as you point out, a lot remains to be determined over, you know, the final damages. You know, uh, Apple is asking that, you know, a number of Samsung devices get, uh, you know, uh, be, you know, be banned in the U.S. for sales, but. That decision, the final decision, is still you know many months away. Now that um, hearing is going to be in December, I believe. Yes. Okay. So even then, in the interim, Samsung could look and they can come out with Rev two versions of these products. I'm sure they've already worked on that, saying, okay, these products do not infringe because we made these changes thus and so, mm-hmm. and as quickly as possible, pull the infringing alleged infringing items off the market, replace them with the new models that maybe won't be in Apple sites. Yep. I mean, and, and you look at how quickly, you know, smartphones, you know, come in and out of the market, you know, in, in a year's time from now, there's a chance that, you know, most of the ones that were found to be in violation of the patents won't even be for sale anymore, just, you know, out of, you know, out of the natural, you know, you know the business cycle. Sure. So, uh, so when you consider the refresh cycle of, of, of of smartphones, uh, all the ones that, that are in the market now that are were found to have infringed on Apple's patents could be they could be you know gone already on their own accord. Um, so this whole lawsuit could by at that point you know by this time next year be a moot point. It would be something that influences Samsung's future directions, but not the current directions. But do you think they might? try or experiment with other options like a Windows phone just to see how they do in the marketplace. And if they show potential, they could look to the future and say, well, maybe eventually we'll cut back on Android. I mean, sure. I mean, actually, Samsung already has a Windows phone on the market um, through AT&T. So, you know, we'll, you know, and so, you know, there's more than a chance that they could explore Windows Phone 8 more than Android. Now, let's look at one other Apple versus Android thing. Very increased speculation that sometime this fall we're going to see a smaller iPad. The so-called iPad mini 7.85-inch screen is what they're talking about, 4 to 3 aspect ratio, kind of like the big brother iPads or the big sister iPads. And this will be priced to compete with the Nexus 7, with the Kindle Fire. What's your take on it? Um. Well, it certainly would be very interesting to see yet another competitor in that seven-inch space. I mean, that's one that um, Apple's stayed out of for, until now. But um, we'll, you know, but we'll see if there's. I guess there's enough market, enough margins in that seven-inch tablet space for around two hundred dollars um, that they find it worth uh, competing in. I think Apple would make it slightly higher, like a 249 or a 299, using the halo effect of the iPad and the ecosystem to garner sales. They wouldn't have to. 
compete exactly 100% on price to get away with it. And wouldn't that be in keeping the way Apple did the iPod? The iPod came out with one model, and then they came out with the cheaper versions to basically flood the market with iPods, and nobody could compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what Apple's, if, you know, when this comes out, if if or when this comes out, um, you know, what Apple's sort of unique spin on it will be. Um, you know, you have the, the, you know, where you have the fire, you know, it was, it's sort of uniquely, it's Android, but it's uniquely catered towards um, Amazon, you know, and then you have the Nexus 7, um, which also has, its, which is sort of uniquely catered towards the pure Android experience. You know, and then and then and, and then there's a whole host of other e-readers and the like around the same price. You know, so what what's Apple's take going to be on this thing? How are they how are they going to make a, an iPad Mini unique enough from the others um, that it'll pull people away from from those other seven-inch tablets? Well, I think that the answer is that it's going to be an iPad. It's going to have the same applications, the same user interface as the bigger brother, and therefore it's going to play into that ecosystem. And isn't that part of the battle, too, that if you get people into an ecosystem, it can be Android, it can be Amazon and their storefront, that people will be more apt the next time they buy a product to stay within that group. They're not going to go elsewhere. You, you know, if you jump from Android to Apple, okay, suddenly the apps that you bought, you can't use them anymore. You have to go to Apple. If you go to Apple to Android, it's the same difference. You're locked into this ecosystem, and once you get somebody to be a customer, if they're reasonably satisfied, that's a customer for life. Hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. The other issue I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing is um, in terms of the apps, actually. You know, right now there's you know, there's iPad apps, and then there's iPhone apps. So now they're going to have to, you know, depending on what happens, is they're going to have to come up with a, sort of a third category. Not necessarily, if it follows the same aspect ratio as the full size iPad, with the same screen well, resolution as the iPad too, which is what the speculation is. You could use the same apps. You wouldn't have to have a specially configured app just for an iPad Mini. It would simply use the same apps as the fuller iPad with a somewhat smaller display. We'll figure it out. Mike Prospero joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. 
purchase this summer's hottest, as seen on TV items, save 10%. Or call 1 866 277 3366. 1 866 The code SCENE1 to save 10%. America, land of the free. But how free can you be, really, when internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Let's keep preparedness simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years, DisasterStuff.com has, well, stuff for disasters. See? Easy to remember. DisasterStuff.com. Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time, all survival gear purchases over $75 include a free 8 by 8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMP bag when you check out at disasterstuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember disasterstuff.com. Freedom through self reliance and personal responsibility. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg mike prospero of laptop magazine joining us he's reviews editor over there and he gets to look at all sorts of gear. And since we've been talking so much about smartphones, let's look, first of all, at the IFA event in Berlin, but also what you've tested. 
What do you think are the hot smartphones that have been shown? Uh, well, let's see. Well, it just started off, so there's uh, not too many that have been shown so far, but, I mean, the first one is uh, the Samsung Galaxy Note 2, which is their uh, follow-up to the Galaxy Note that came out earlier this year. And the Galaxy Note 2 pretty much follows the same same pattern as the as the other one. It's got a little, you know, it's quite large, but you know, I think it's about a five inch screen, and it also has a, a built in stylus. And I remember I actually when I um, in, initially reviewed the um, the Galaxy Note, I, I I comment on the fact that it was quite large, you know, so it was kind of awkward to hold up, but by the same token, it seems to have really taken off. Um, people like the little, the, the note-taking ability on it. Does and, that make um, it less of a smartphone and more of a mini-tablet? Almost. I think some people have called them phablets. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And this one, uh, you know, this one has a five-and-a-half-inch screen, I mean, which is really quite large for you know, for a, for a, for a phone. I mean, if you try holding something like that up to your face, and uh, it seems a little bit on the ridiculous side. <laughs> but it, like I said, you know, it's proved pretty popular so far, and so people are probably going to buy this one uh, a fair amount as well. Is that we're seeing here now more and more smartphones with larger screens? How large though is too large for one-handed operation? Well, I guess it depends on the size of the hand, too. I mean, if you're a basketball player, all bets are off. But if you're a normal yeah. person, I mean, I my personally, I have what I consider you know fairly large hands, and I can I can reach over an octave on the keyboard, on a piano keyboard. That is, you play um, piano? I a little bit. I dabble. I know the feeling. Yeah. So, but you know, even you know, like I said, even even I, when when it comes to uh, you know, phones with five-inch screens like the Note. If you're holding it in one hand and then trying to use your thumb to type, you know, it you can't really grip the phone. At least I I can't really grip the phone as 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 securely as I'd like. So that's and isn't that a usability yeah. issue? A key one, maybe one that Apple would consider in making a larger smartphone. Of course, there's a story now that has it that the next iPhone is going to be four inches, but it's going to be a vertical change, not so much a horizontal change. So the one-handed operation is still convenient. Yes, yes, that would, I'm sure they've thought about that. And if not, you know, then they'll probably tell us that we're holding it wrong or something. Uh, haven't we heard that before? <laughs> yeah. Well, we were holding it wrong, but it turned out that if you were going back to Antenna Gate, ladies and gentlemen, where they had problems with the iPhone 4, and if you held it a certain way, they kind of bridged the gap on the lower left-hand side without a case for the two junctions of the antenna, reception would fall down. It was then revealed that there is a death grip for all kinds of smartphones, so you had to always hold them differently, some more eccentric than others. And people so, call me eccentric. <laughs> Well, I tell you, you know, Samsung also came out with a few other interesting uh, phone concepts uh, at IFA this year, too. Um, and we were just talking about this. They came out with uh, a Windows Phone 8 device, uh, the Ativ S. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Ativ or Ativ, which also has a big, uh, you know, 4.8-inch display, um, 1280 by 720 pixels, a 1.5 gigahertz uh, processor, and 
either you know eight or sixteen gigs of internal storage. So you know, they, like like we said, they are you know checking out and and staying, you know, keeping keeping their fingers and their options open, I should say. Well, with a company like that, that's a smart thing to do. Now, let me ask you about the IFA. Does it strictly cover computers and smartphones? Do they get into general consumer electronics gear like TV sets and such? Oh, yeah, they do all that stuff, too, in fact. So uh, it is like, therefore, the European version of Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, you could say that, definitely. Um, in fact, you know, Sony just came out with a bunch of things, too. You know, In addition to a, a Windows 8 notebook that also has a a sliding design similar to Samsung's, you know, they also announced a number of different devices, including, you know, a helmet cam even. That's a little, you know, a little camera that clips on the side of, you know, side of your helmet, like, say, when you're skiing or something like that, um, you know, and records 1080p video. And then, and then there's cameras as well. Um, actually, Samsung, oh, I'm going back to Samsung again, but um, they have a camera slash uh, phone, I guess. I don't know if you'd call it that. It was basically a camera that runs Android 4.1, which is quite an interesting uh, combination, if you will. Okay. So it has a gigantic, um, you know, it, it has, a, has a gigantic 21, 21 optical zoom on the back, a 16 megapixel sensor, and then on the back is a 4.8 inch, 4 inch uh, LCD display. And then it even has it has a uh, 3G, 4G, and Wi-Fi. So it's sort of like the ultimate uh, camera phone, if you will. Speaking of camera phones, have they more or less replaced most of the entry-level digital cameras? I would say so. I mean, you still see companies such as Kodak and you know Nikon coming out with you know the you know, $200 shooters, and there's certainly still a few people who buy them, but. You know, considering that you know smartphone cameras have gotten so much better, and then make it, and then these options to share those photos have become so much easier just via the phones. You know, this market for you know digital point and shoots is rapidly dissolving. Now, I have a digital point and shoot or something a step above that from Canon, and Canon makes great cameras. For the years, I've had Canon cameras for years, traditional film cameras. And I have that in the closet, and I can't remember when I took it out, except that the number of pixels on my iPhone 4S, 8 megapixels, trumps this Canon, which had 7 megapixels. And I reached the point where I don't need that for point-and-shoot, plus I can take pretty decent videos with my iPhone 4S. And you have to think now the biggest part of the camera market, I presume, is mostly towards the mid- to higher-end products, prosumer, professionals, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. You're seeing, and that technology is is coming down in price too. You know, in terms of you know quality, and you can get some amazing photos for you know, for you know under a thousand dollars in in these prosumer cameras. You mean like a single lens reflex and everything? Exactly. Wow. Okay. I'm ready to buy. I think if I ever do any <laughs> professional photography again, which I don't. <laughs> And you know, there's also the Micro Four Thirds format, which you know came on the market a few years ago, and that too is gaining a lot of uh, you know a lot of steam as well. Uh, they're slightly smaller than the single lens reflex cameras, um, and but they take almost as good quality, and they're a lot more portable. Uh, in fact, I have one myself from Olympus that I carry around with me whenever I go on vacations or anything like that, because it is a lot easier to take with you than a full size DSLR. 
And, you know, some of these prosumer camcorders, cameras, that kind of thing, they use them for movie making. I remember an episode of House where they filmed it with a Canon or some company's digital camcorder. A single, it was just basically a single-lens reflex camera with camcorder capabilities. looked perfectly fine on a high-definition TV screen. Yeah, it's amazing what companies like Canon and, and Nikon are doing in terms of you know these big single-lens reflex cameras, or DSLRs. It, the quality of them is just, uh, just stunning. Good enough for your TV, maybe even for the movies. Mike Prosper, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can go to Laptop Magazine. It's www.laptopmag.com. That's great. You can find us, by the way, on Twitter, where we are Tech Night Owl. Once again, we are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And you can also check out our forums at forum.technightowl.com, forum.technightowl.com. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast. This week, we will visit the Skinwalker Ranch, a strange place in Utah. Special roundtable with a whistleblower on the show, Paracast.com. To Mike Prospero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.